Welcome to the podcast where I have a discussion with Dr. Chris Riley, the director of Church Multiplication Network, which is a church planning network of the Assemblies of God Church. The Assemblies of God is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing denomination in North America today. And according to Dr. Riley, it's had 26 years of consecutive growth in membership. And actually, I just checked their latest stat on their website and not to correct Dr. Riley, but their website says that the AG Church has had 27 years of consecutive growth. So in this episode, Dr. Riley and I talk about some of the reasons why it's grown so much. There are theological reasons, such as their strong commitment to missions and evangelism, but there's also sociological reasons, such as their young demographic and their diversity. But as you'd expect, there are challenges in leading a church planning network of a large growing denomination, and so we talk about some of those challenges as well. And regardless of where your organization's at, you probably face some of the uh, similar challenges. So we talk about the challenges of developing a church planner pipeline, training, uh, how networks and denominations relate to each other. And then Dr. Riley uh, shares what he's learning in the midst of all this and where he's learning it from. Uh, I'll be back on the back end to highlight some of our discussion. So be sure to stick around until then. Thanks for uh, being on the podcast, uh, Chris, and really excited to have uh, you here. uh, you know, the AG is one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing denomination right now in North America. Can you help us to understand uh, why that is? Yeah, first of all, great to be with you, Daniel. It's an honor, man. And um, it's pretty incredible what we've been seeing the Lord do uh, in the Assemblies of God. And uh, really for, for quite a long time now, uh, I think we've got 26 consecutive years of growth in the Assemblies of God, which um, which uh, we're blessed. We're blessed, and we give thanks for that. Yeah. I think there's, in thinking through the why of that, there's three things that, that jump off the page at me. Number one is our diversity. Um, we're a really diverse denomination, 43% ethnic diversity. Mm. Uh, so we reap the benefits of, of migration and immigration and population growth in certain segments of the country. And um, I think we're 25% of that is Hispanic in our movement. And mm-hmm. so um, so we're, we're really diverse, um, also really young. Um, mm. 40% of the Assemblies of God is under the age of 25. Wow. So, uh, so we're, we're really young. Um, part of our challenge with that is um, helping that, that youth turn into leaders. Uh, we're, we're old in our ordained uh, leadership. Yeah. The average age there is 60, so that's a, cha- a challenge for us. But overall, part of why the Assemblies of God is growing is uh, diversity, youth. And then the third thing is uh, we're a pretty dynamic organization in terms of um, uh, church planting. Uh, there's been a real commitment to that really from day one of mm-hmm. our of our history. Um, and then the last 10 years with uh, the start of the Church Multiplication Network, um, now we, we've got 20% of all of our churches are less than 10 years old. Wow. So there's wow. this, this resurgence of church planting and church multiplication that um, is making up for, for a lot of the, uh, the church closures. I mean, every denomination deals with that. Yep. Um, we're finally now opening more than we're closing, uh, which keeps, our, you know, keeps that growth happening. So those are a few reasons that, that stand out. Yeah, and I want to I get into that. Um, before we do that, I, let me... I want to dig a little bit deeper. I'm I'm curious. I mean, you, you know, you have Pentecostal roots and charismatic um, uh, 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 theology, and because um, yeah, it's that's what's grown around the world um, is charismatic Christianity. Um, but then you also touched on two things that I think are trends that are happening in North America. So the diversity that we're seeing, 
and then the emerging youth. Uh, yeah, not necessarily just millennials, but post-millennials. So it sounds like you guys are doing really well at engaging those two. Um, I, I'm just curious, I mean, for those of us theologian types, um, how much of your theology is is still driving that? Like, I mean, um, how much of the AG church is still very much spirit-led and and, and driven by that theology? I mean, um, I, I think it's the primary driving factor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another thing is, as far as denominations go, we're relatively uh, still a new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. We're 103 years old now. Um, but comparatively speaking, you know, we're one of the, the newer denominations. And from the very beginning in our theology, we were a, a missions-minded mm-hmm. organization. It's, it's kind of why we formed. And from that missions-mindedness, the way we did missions is we planted churches. Yeah. That's always been the primary um, missions strategy, is, is to plant churches. Um, and uh, the Assemblies of God from, from early on did a, a really great job of leveraging the strengths of, of all people. You know, kind of that Joel to I'm going to pour my spirit out on sons and daughters, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so from from women in ministry uh, to um, great programs and pipeline that that kind of put missions and missions mindedness in the hearts of our of our youngest uh, people mm-hmm. in our movement. It's created a, a pretty strong DNA and and really that's turned into a pipeline for sending uh, really of all types. In yeah, all places. And with church planting in America, we're trying to leverage on that missions-minded spirit of our world missions program, which, by the way, I don't know if people realize, um, 95% of the Assemblies of God is outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we have 360,000 churches around the world, uh, 13,000 of those are in the state. So we're a... Wow. That, that reflects our mission-minded nature from the beginning. We've maintained that, and that really is a Pentecostal imperative for us that comes um, less from an emphasis on speaking in tongues, in yep. my mind, and yep. more of the Pentecostal distinctiveness of urgency for the lost. Yep. When we think back to the beginning of the 20th century, um, we discovered tongues and built theology kind of uh, retroactively. What What we started with was urgency for the lost in understanding the times. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when the Azusa Street Revival happened in Los Angeles, it was women, it was African-Americans, it was the poor, it was marginalized people who, who prayed and then were sent um, after they received the infilling of the Holy Spirit uh, to go. And that, that's our roots, and that, that missiology, that DNA, that emphasis on missions and, and um, starting new things mm-hmm. um, has been a part of the Assemblies of God from the beginning, and I think is why we see the growth and diversity um, in, in young people and in church planting. Yeah, yeah, man, that's uh, that's a pretty cool combination. I'm, I'm thinking just in my head, I'm hearing uh, spirit-led, uh, very mission-driven uh, diversity from the get-go, um, and now you're seeing diversity continue to happen, engaging the next generation. Um, so these are the reasons why. That's I mean, so so I mean, so you're fast growing as a network. CMN uh, is doing a lot of church planning right now. That's got to present some challenges. Uh, what are some of those challenges that you're facing right now? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges, and uh, most of them are good problems to have. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. growth produces problems, but they're the good kind of problems. And so some of the things that we're seeing, number one. Um, is in recruiting planters. Um, it, it's I think the the money we always talk about in denominations and in networks. You got to raise money, which is true. 
But um, as aggressive as our fundraising goals are and as much faith as we're going to have to have um, to reach those goals, the biggest issue or problem or challenge is in recruiting church planters. Mm. Um, you know, I've heard some people say um, the church planting may have peaked and we may be on a downswing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm praying that that's not true. We're doing everything in our power <laughs> to go mm-hmm. against that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, recruiting new planters, I think, presents the greatest challenge for us. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that we're seeing as, as a trend that's a challenge, it's also an opportunity. You know, really, you can look at it one of two ways. Um, challenges can can you know cause frustration and, and hopelessness, or they can really be seen as opportunities. Yeah. One of the challenges that we're trying to see as an opportunity is the rise of networks within networks. Mm-hmm. So you've got denominations, and then you've got like church planting networks. And then within those, you've got even smaller networks. And so a lot of apostolic leaders, uh, large church pastors, um, are, are creating their own networks of one stripe or another. And it, be, it kind of creates a lot of noise out there, you know, and, and then who for the end user are they going to affiliate with, associate with? Um, people just have capacity on how many networks that they can align themselves with and yep. give to and go to conferences for and all that kind of stuff. So so we're seeing like in the Assemblies of God, um, it seems like everybody's starting their own network. Well, then what does that mean for the church multiplication network, kind of a national church planting Arm. What does it mean for our denomination, the, the, some, the largest of the umbrellas? Um, and uh, so trying not to step on one another, mm-hmm. trying to, to stay true to what we do well and who we are and not try to be another network. Um, and then understanding that these networks are, are imperative for vision fulfillment for us, um, which for us, that's to see a healthy church in every community. And, um, and so we need networks to continue to develop spiritual fathers, leading spiritual sons, uh, multiplying churches, all of that. But it's a challenge. Sure. So that's one that I would say. Um, and then in terms of the growth, uh, because we've seen tremendous growth in the number of churches planted, CMN has grown a lot. It's keeping the, uh, the network relational. You know, it's like any church, once you pass the 200 mark or uh, the 500 mark or the 1,000 mark or the 5,000 mark, there's all kinds of challenges at each the stage to keep people connected and in relationship. Yeah, yeah. And so for us as a, as a network of church planters, that's, that's also true. Um, and uh, we, we really want to resource and be in relationship with all of our planters, but the more there are, the harder that is. So that's, that's one challenge that we see. Yeah. It's almost like you have, um, you know, a kind of a, a, a national system and then within that a, a tribal system and within tribal system, a family system and trying to make, all of those systems talk and relate to each other. I, I think that's a that's a very common uh, struggle that I'm hearing among um, networks and organizations, and especially those who have uh, polities that make it very difficult to exist outside of the polity. And so I, I, I hear so true. I hear other networks trying to be real creative about how do we work within our more of a Presbyterian polity, but still be um, uh, have a little bit of identity and fluidity outside of that. So, so in the last few years, then, what are some of the strategic decisions that you've made to maybe resolve some of that, or or maybe to to keep pushing forward through some of that, um, uh, some of those challenges? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to maintain flexibility and uh, and innovation um, as a way to um, you know keep keep things moving forward. But 
but practically some things that we've done in the last uh, one or two years that have helped us um, is we've, we've just decided to get in the business of recruiting planters. We had mm-hmm. kind of left that up uh, to district leaders and, and just our local churches or whatever, and we had not um, made that our business nationally. But what we're finding is uh, we get calls all the time from district leaders or from churches saying that we've got money and we want to multiply. We just don't have people. We don't have mm. the planter. And you got, who do you know, or who do you see? And, and uh, so we've just uh, decided that one of the ways we're going to serve our denomination is nationally, we're going to get in the business of recruiting church planters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started something, uh, two things really this past summer. One is called, it's just a simple website called I want to plant a church.com. So we try to just say it, say it all in the website name. You know, mm-hmm. it's for those people who, uh, who may be thinking or, or feeling called or the, the Lord is whispering to them this idea of planting a church. And, and when you start feeling that, there's all kinds of unanswered questions. Well, how will I pay for it? Where should I go? And who will help me? And what do I do? And how do I talk to my pastor about that? And, you know, so on and so forth. And so we've, we've created this little uh, landing page, uh, I want to plan a church.com, where mm-hmm. people can go at the very beginning of uh, the, the stirring. And they take a short little quiz, and there's resources on there. And then we connect them. Uh, kind of to their next step. And and the, the second thing we started this summer in relation to that is called CMN reps, you know, representatives. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we picked uh, a younger-ish church planter in every state that had planted a church, maybe uh, come through our training, is kind of like-minded, or they've been with us on something, um, but they don't necessarily have 20 or 30 years experience. They're just out there two, three years down the road. And we said, Hey, would you, would you rep CMN mm. in your state volunteer deal? Uh, but will you wear our t-shirt? Will you retweet our stuff? And when somebody clicks on, I want to plant a church.com and says that they're in South Carolina and they're thinking about planting a church, can we connect them to you? And can you be their first point of contact? and just kind of meet them for coffee or respond to an email. And so now we just expanded our national team by 50 people. Yeah, yeah. Volunteers who are already in with us, heart, you know, wise, but now they're connecting the people who are having that stirring, and there's a tighter handoff. So those are kind of two initiatives that we started this summer Yeah. that are really providing a lot of fruit. Just in the last, I'd say, uh, three months, we've got 350 people in our pipeline um, just through that, I want to plan a church.com landing page. So yeah. simple and free, man. I mean, we didn't spend money on that. That's great. Um, a couple other things, Daniel, that we've done, um, that I won't take too much time to talk about, but we totally reinvented our church planter training content. That was a two year journey for us. Mm-hmm. And, and we shortened it, we made it more dynamic and we have better coaches at that event. So that's been really big for us. We, we're setting record numbers of people coming through our trainings the past two years, um, um, and then we're launching our first ever, um, church planter conference next spring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that'll be a national conference. And I think it's going to add a lot of momentum. You know, we feel like we've got this rallying cry. Uh, we want to see a healthy church in every community, but we haven't had a rallying point mm-hmm. where people can come together. Um, and it's like, I, I struggled with it because I'm thinking, you know, the world doesn't need another conference, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. I feel like we, we, for our family and our tribe, we, we do need one. And so it's, uh, it's going to, I think, add a lot of momentum to what's going on nationally for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can think about 
you know, when you're planting a church and you might, you know, if, if you don't have the launch large model, but you might start with, you know, we're going to do three small groups first and you can keep meeting as three small groups, but there comes a point when you're like, it'd be nice to meet together and celebrate what God's doing. So I can totally see why you would want to do something like that because it allows you to celebrate what God's doing nationally and in, in North America. And, and so you talked about a couple of things that um, I think I've heard over and over again um, about the trend in church planting. You know, are we on the downswing? Um, and I, you know, I, I definitely don't uh, personally subscribe to, to the idea that God's done with uh, church planting in North America. Um, but I think there's been an overwhelming um, consensus that, you know, the days of free agency church planting, I don't know if we can call it that, uh, where we had free yeah. agents floating around, uh, or the pipeline of, you know, associate pastors and youth pastors have, have kind of dwindled down a bit. Um, but it's forcing, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing what you're saying. It's forcing creativity to come out from, you know, church planning leaders to actually put that impetus back on churches, um, and to recruit from churches, uh, and potentially even lay people, you know, people who are, um, who, who you'll take through a pipeline, a process of developing them. Um, and I think that's great. I'm going to make sure that we put your website, uh, what, what is it called? I'm, uh, I'm interested in church. I want to plant a church.com. Yeah, I want to plant a church.com. Make sure and, we'll put that um, in the show notes. So is that something that, you know, somebody who is uh, not necessarily in ministry, uh, maybe just a, a, a church member or, or a lay member, they can just go to that website and they'll learn more about church planning? It's for anybody and everybody, Daniel. I mean, we're hearing a lot, unfortunately, that there would be a youth pastor or associate pastor who feels stirred to plant the church, but is afraid to talk to their lead pastor about it mm. because they might get fired or they might be looked at differently after that because they're not all in anymore or whatever. And so this gives them a place and a person to talk to where they can process safely, okay, what are some of your next steps? Is this something for six months down the road or six years down the road? And, and we've got steps for you either, either case. Um, it's also for lay people, um, to say, man, I have no idea where to even start on this, but mm-hmm. I just feel like God's doing something and, and this gives them a play, place to go to, to know what to do next. And it's really about next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, just for context, the, the first point of entry for the church multiplication network was our, our church planter training event. That's like a, several hundred dollars to come to an event, that's a pretty high point of entry for people. So we had to get it down a little more to the the point of inception. When was the first time you thought about or felt called or stirred or whatever? And then we had to have a place for people to go at that stage. And um, so that's been super helpful for us, but it's really for everybody. Yeah. I mean, great idea. Great idea. Um, so as a national leader, uh, you know, strategist for the CMN, um, who are you learning from these days? I mean, you, I'm, the growth of your organization, I'm sure there's lots that you're having to figure out right now. So who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Um, who are you learning from? Yeah, this is a funny deal, Daniel. Uh, I get asked all the time, um, like, what are you reading right now? Here's the truth, all right? Um, mm-hmm. I just finished my doctoral work uh, less than two years ago, so mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of TV, man. So, <laughs> good for you, man. I, I'm, a, I'm right like in the a, middle of my PhD studies, so uh, yeah, good for you, man. And that's at the end of uh, two master's degrees and so on. I mean, so like I've done a lot of forced reading for a long time. I've got the habit of a reader, 
But I've kind of just embraced the season of, you know what, I'm going to watch Amazon Prime on an airplane instead of pull out a book. <laughs> now, that season is coming to an end. So mm-hmm. I've already kind of begun making those transitions back into uh, heavy, heavy reading seasons. But let me just talk about who we're learning from. And it's less books right now for me, um, although there's some good ones out there. It's more who and, and what organizations. Um, mm-hmm. I just took my team uh, to meet with uh, the Sin Network guys in Atlanta and uh, they're they're really numerically the only organization planting more churches than we are. Not that we can't learn from anybody and everybody, but um, I, I didn't really know those guys that well and just wanted to go and learn from them. And we spent a, a full day uh, downloading uh, what they do with their systems, and it was super helpful. Mm. Uh, just the, the scope and the size and the scale of all what they're doing um, uh, was was helpful for our team to be around. So. I mean, I would recommend for people just who's who's next up the ladder numerically in terms of churches being planted and go learn from that. Mm. Um, uh, there's a couple of really great organizations in kind of the orbit of the Assemblies of God. Um, one is Convoy of Hope, mm-hmm. this kind of worldwide organization doing disaster relief and feeding programs around the world. They do totally different than what Church Multiplication Network does, but um, just studying their organization and their culture and how they make hires and, and all that kind of stuff is really helpful. One Hope is another organization mm-hmm. that's on my radar. I'm really close with the guys there. And and, and just in terms of uh, culture and scale, those are two things I'm really paying a lot of attention to right now, is how do you create culture that allows vision to become reality? I mean, we all know culture is greater than vision. And so I'm paying a lot of attention as a national leader to culture that would allow vision to happen and then scale, you know, how do companies scale things? And so I'm paying attention in a different kind of way now, you know, Amazon and Uber Mm -hmm. and Harry's razors and and companies like this that give the end user a great experience. Um, You know, I used to order products, from Amazon. Now my wife is ordering food from Amazon. Well, that's a shift that they made not too long ago. And I'm interested to know why they made it and how they made it and, and, uh, how it's becoming normal to have your dog food shipped in the mail, you know? Uh, so companies like that, um, but a couple great, you know, leaders that write on culture, Sam Chan, Brad Mm -hmm. Lominick, I've connected with both of those guys a lot and they've got great books on culture and leadership and stuff. So that's just a little about what kind of I'm thinking in terms of um, how we're growing our organization. Yeah. And I love that idea that you're collaborating with uh, uh, groups that, you know, are not a part of your denomination, uh, not a part of your immediate like orbit of affiliation uh, and seeing that that's happening more and more. Like the, the climate of North America is necessitating uh, leaders of different denominations and, and networks to come together to try to figure out something, uh, not just to learn from each other, but to to learn what God is doing nationally. You know, I think that's um, that, that narrative is certain to to come to the forefront, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, we're working on putting together a group of uh, national leaders to begin working uh, together, or at least collaborating to think through some of those things. And I, I think what you've described um, is is starting to happen more and more, and that's that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you could say, I mean, as a, a church planning leader of an organization, what would you say to, uh, you know, peers of yours or to others who are leading missions organizations right now in our time, in our current day? 
what are some things that we cannot afford to neglect in our organizations right now in order for us to be more faithful and effective in our calling in North America? Well, I've been in my role for four years, and so it's been trial by fire, you know, going from um, being a church planter, a local church pastor, uh, to a national role. I mean, still, I'm new, totally new. But some things that I feel like have stuck out to me as I've been on this journey and tried to navigate this new world is the importance of um, uh, creating a permission-giving culture. I mean, it's true at the local church level. It's always uh, uh, more life-giving place to be when there's a culture of yes and not no, but even more so denominationally uh, because of the bureaucracy that exists in denominational leadership um, for the, the church planting arm, which a lot of in a lot of ways is like the research and development arm of a denomination, for there to be a culture of permission giving and not a culture of uh, policy, bureaucracy, reasons not to, all of that. And one of the things we struggled with in our denomination, and in some ways still do, is the territorialism. You know, an existing church pastor in a town being opposed to a church planter coming in and planting a church in that same town. Yeah. But we've got to kill that mentality. And um, there's a lot of other factors that go into to play uh, to, to do that. But, but basically, a permission-giving yes culture, I think, is so critical for us as national leaders to lean into um, another one, Daniel, would just be in its cliche, but uh, the relational connectedness. Um, people are not loyal to denominations anymore just because their parents or grandparents were. It's really who who's like me, who's like-minded, who am I in relationship with, and that's where my loyalties lie. And so for us as denominational leaders to, to not just build great systems and not just um, raise money, and think tactically, but to make sure there's high relational connectedness um, in our in our networks is just critical. I mean, uh, this generation of leaders and the ones coming after won't tolerate anything less than that. And then the third thing I would say in terms of what I'm learning that uh, I just don't think we can ignore is is good research and outcomes. Uh, when I was 20, I hated the word research. Uh, but now in my professional life, I've realized the power of it. Uh, number one, as a church planner, exegeting my community and how that totally um, changed how we did ministry. But then nationally now, making sure that because what we do as national leaders, Daniel, affects a lot of people. And and so you can't go on hunches, mm. assumptions, or anecdotal data. It's got to be empirical data. You got to do good research to know uh, where, what direction to go and what to invest in and, and then developing outcomes that uh, work for large and small and urban and suburban and, and those kinds of things I think are critical. What a great discussion and what a great leader. Uh, Dr. Raleigh probably doesn't want me to mention this, but he's 40 years old and was in his mid-30s when he became the CMN director. And that's a great example of the AG's commitment to allowing young leaders to raise up other leaders within their organization. Uh, Two things I want to highlight from our conversation, and one is this, the willingness to learn from other networks and denominations. Uh, We're seeing this happen more and more. And part of it is because it's the biblical thing to do. I mean, there's no greater kingdom work than to be unified in heart and head when it comes to strategizing for the kingdom. But also, it goes to show that, yeah, in the past, denominations could be territorial for whatever reason, 
but not everyone's like that. In the CMN uh, Church Multiplication Network of the Assemblies of God and the SEND Network of the Southern Baptists coming together to share knowledge and ideas is a huge testament of kingdom activity in North America. And the second thing I want to highlight is the realization that the days of church planter free agency is gone, or at least it's not what it used to be. Um, but the creativity and intentionality of CMN in developing tools like I want to plant a church.com, that's a reminder to all of us that we have to educate and call the next generation of church planters now, today. Uh, some of the best church planters for tomorrow don't have a clue what church planting is yet, but it's our job to help churches to disciple them in obedience to God's word and God's mission. And we got to be creative in the tools that we're developing to help churches. And Dr. Riley shared with us some of the creative ways that they're trying to do this. Can you do me a favor? Can you subscribe to our podcast and let others know about it? You can also share this episode on Twitter and Facebook. Just tell people about it. And if you have any questions or comments, go to sendinstitute.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.